following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give it to Him. Come on, give it to Him. He's the only one worthy. And is He ever worthy? Keep standing just a moment. Good to see everybody. Wow. Uh, We've got some wonderful, wonderful first-timers, second-timers, third-timers in the house. And I think that's so neat because they have found a place that has service on Wednesday night and it's not dead, dull, dry, and boring. Thank you, praise team, for singing. Can I just say it like you said in West Texas? Thank you for singing your guts out tonight. Y'all just sang so well. Give it up for them. Come on, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. This is a very special week for Patty and I, and uh, Sunday I'm going to be addressing it. I'm going to be addressing some of it. Uh, this is our pastoral anniversary week. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that I want to salute the people that have, have made this work so beautiful in our life, and that's you. I want to celebrate the church. It's not about us. It's never been about us. You'll never drive by this church and see the name of the pastor on a sign outside. It hadn't been there for 28 years because it's not about who's pastoring the church. It's about who's the, the head shepherd of the church. And Jesus is our chief shepherd. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so, for Sunday, we're going to be talking a little bit. Uh, God's given me a little state of the church address to preach, and it'll be uplifting. It'll be, it'll be edifying for you, and I want you to be here Sunday and hear that. That's at 9 o'clock, 1030, and at high noon. And then continuum is at 7 o'clock Sunday night. God's been blessing us around here, and uh, we're excited. We'll probably have some news for you on Sunday also about, about how close we are to breaking ground on our new construction. We're excited about that. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. But I want, you to, I want you to maybe ask somebody beside you. Now, if it's your wife, don't, 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 don't do goofy on me, okay? But ask somebody kind of in your area, is this your first, second, third time? If you know it's, if it's not, you know them, then don't say that because it might insult them. But just find somebody that may be here for the first, second, or third time. They're all around you, and just shake their hand right now. Would you do that? Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. We love people in the house. We love people in this house. We love people in this house. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing just a moment. We're going to read the word. We're starting. <laughs> you folks love to visit. We're, st- <laughs> We're starting a series tonight. That'll be at least three weeks, perhaps four. Um, We're starting a series tonight, and we're calling it Getting Back on the Wagon. You know, when you fall off the wagon, it's not good. You bump your head, you mess up, things go stale in your life, stagnant, and you identify it really with alcohol. But there's a lot of folks that come around church and... uh, because things are active and things are moving and things are going forward. It's kind of the Esau spirit. Esau was blessed when he hugged Jacob because Jacob had been with an angel the night before. 
And it's, it, it's one thing. Lot was blessed because he walked with Abraham, not because he was anything special. He was a friend of the friend of God. And so the point is that we want all of you to feel that connection with your Savior, with your deity, with the God in your world. And everybody needs that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody. And I know that this church lifts you. This church lifts you. And we always talk and teach that when you leave here, you should be able to whip a bear with a switch. Because this church is a lifting church. It's a place where a rising tide lifts all the boats. And we are lifted every time we come to the house of God. But I want you, I want you to get yourself back on the wagon if you have fallen off. And tonight we're going to talk about faith. Get back on the wagon of faith. Joseph is in Egypt. Jacob is in Israel. And the boys come back with loaded wagons. And they come back and say, Daddy, Joseph is alive. And he's in Egypt and he wants you to come. And the Bible said that Jacob did not believe that. But when he saw the wagons, when he saw the wagons that were loaded with the things that only a ruler can send to you. The Bible said, Israel said, not Jacob, Israel said, I'm going to get on that wagon. And I'm going to go back because my son yet lives. I got news for you. Jesus Christ is yet alive. And in the next three or four weeks, he's going to send some things to us via the word of his word. And we're going to get on the wagon. And tonight, my first subject is faith, the mover. Faith, the mover. You won't find these anywhere online because they're just created. I'm making these up as I go. But I feel like tonight it's time to get back on the wagon of faith. Matthew chapter 17 says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing. Luke chapter 17 verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord. Increase our faith. And the Lord said if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed. You might say to this sycamore tree. Be thou plucked up by the root. Be thou planted in the sea. And it shall obey you. Now folks. I don't know which is the toughest, moving a mountain or asking a sycamore tree to get uprooted and go plant itself in the sea. But both of them don't look real easy from the natural eye. But with God. All things are possible. Say, Pastor, teach the word to us tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach the word to us tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Teach the word to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. 
You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you a little bit. God bless. You may be seated. In the book of Revelation, John basically tells John, Jesus basically tells John the Revelator, who is stranded on the Isle of Patmos, John, I am the final word. There is no word like mine. He introduces himself to John as Alpha, which is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And then he calls himself Omega, which is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And he said, in essence, and I'm everything in between. He is saying, not only am I first, but I am last. And I am the final word. I'm the A of your life, and I'm the Z of your life. One boy said it well in college years ago. He said, when it's all said and done, it will all be said and done. (laughs) Jesus is basically telling John Revelator, no matter what your circumstances are, I am the final word in your life, in your destiny, And in your direction, I have the last word. Or as one man said it years ago when I was just a pup listening to preaching, Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Not one dot, not one comma, not one thing will be moved from the word till everything is accomplished. Many years ago, King Tut's tomb was opened. And there were great artifacts that were toured all around the world. It even came to America. And a sealed box was found inside his tomb. And the Smithsonian Institute wanted to open it. And the Egyptian officials would not allow it. Finally, after years of debate and begging, the Smithsonian got to open the box. And it contained seeds that were 3,800 years old. And it was decided the seeds should be planted to see if they would grow. And when they were, they produced a strong, healthy grains of wheat, as good or better than had ever been grown in the ground that they were planted in. Hear me tonight. God's Word is just as powerful today as it was when it was written. It still produces fabulous results. Solomon said the end of a thing is better than the beginning. If Jesus was great at his birth, then he will be greater at the end of all things. If his words were powerful enough to start your journey, they're strong enough to complete the same journey that you're on right now. The old prophet of old said, do not remove. Everybody say the ancient landmarks. Don't remove the ancient landmarks. There's a lot of stuff that the world wants to remove today. They want to remove a lot of things that they hadn't even talked about yet. And one of them probably is freedom of worship. But he, he, he didn't just say landmarks. He said ancient landmarks. I had a preacher friend that many years ago saw some men working by his house in the country one day. And he went up to them. And they said they were with the government. And they were looking for a landmark. 
But they realized that the landmark was set by a particular star when it was set. And so they would be working into the night to find that particular star so they could find the right landmark. So he stayed outside and asked if he could just kind of watch them. And they said, sure. And when the night came and the stars came out that night, they set their instruments to a particular star. And it brought the landmark into a particular position. And within minutes, the landmark was located. And the preacher friend of mine just sighed and said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The word of God is an ancient landmark that one needs not throw away. Do you want to become a Christian? Get in this book and start reading it. Read the red letters of Jesus Christ. Want to be an overcomer? Read the red letters. Want victory in your situation? Read the red letters. Jesus' words never fail. He said, I will never, 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 never leave you. I will never, 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 never forsake you. But I'll go with you all the way even to the end of the world. Amen. The biblical seeds of the Word of God still grow bountiful crops. I hate to use this because Reed will love it. But the WWF, Reed is a WWF fan. World Wrestling Federation, WWE. They have this thing called the Battle Royale. Twelve men get in the ring. And the last one standing is the winner. Jesus said, John... There's a lot of things in the end time that are trying to stand. Darkness is trying to stand. Death is trying to stand. Crisis is trying to stand. Confusion is trying to stand. Calamities are trying to stand. Sickness is trying to stand. Sorrows are trying to stand. Satan is trying to stand. The Antichrist is trying to stand. The beast is trying to stand. The false prophet. And John, I'm in that ring also. I'm in the ring. And when it's all said and done, I will be the last one standing. You can count on that, John. You can count on that. Would somebody like to give a hand to the last man standing? Would you like to give a hand to Jesus? He will be here when it's all said and done. Tonight, one of our dear ladies walked in the door of the church. She's precious. Her name is Gloria Garza. John's her husband. He went through a battle for his own life a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago. And Gloria came from the doctor last week. The doctor found a tumor on her brain. She came to church last Wednesday night, prayed for her, went back to the doctor this week. They said, oh, there's no tumor. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. I'm not trying to get you, I'm just telling you something. Tumor may be in that ring, but tumor is not going to stay in that ring. They said, (laughs) yeah, yeah. They said, it's not a tumor, it's just a cyst. We'll get it out real easy. When they start to operate, the cyst will be gone. Because there's nothing like the last man standing in the ring of this world. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Somebody help me preach right now. 20 years ago, 
an addition of the, I don't usually yell that loud, but I just felt like yelling. <laughs> 20 years ago, an addition of the Baltimore Sun carried a story about Mount McKinley. It's the highest mountain in North American continent, and recent research has apparently proven that a mountain expedition, which claimed in 1906 to have, to have climbed Mount McKinley, in fact, fabricated their figures. They never really completely climbed the mountain. The mountain, in fact, is over 20,000 feet high, and they claimed to have climbed 18,500 feet. It's about 1,500 feet shy. Climbing a mountain is no easy feat. Mountains are really hard to climb. And that's why mountains have long come to symbolize the hardships and the difficulties of life. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell sang a song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. <laughs> Stephanie knows that song. Ain't no river wide enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep me from you, babe. <laughs> Mountains have long represented problems to be solved, obstacles to be overcome, crosses to be carried, burdens to be borne, troubles to triumph over, difficulties to be dealt with. Amen. Mountains are problems. Death is a mountain. Sickness is a mountain. Troubles are mountains. Hardships are mountains. Family crisis are mountains. Unpaid bills are mountains. Rebellious children are mountains. Alcoholic friends are mountains. Crack addict loved ones are mountains. Scott Peck in his book, The Road Less Travel, says life is full of problems. But the truth of the matter is life is filled with mountains. But Jesus said, if you have faith, Not the size of a mountain, you'll move a mustard seed, but the size of a mustard seed. You can say to that mountain, move from here to there, and it will obey. Some of you folks need to get back on the wagon and start declaring some things in your life and say, I'm tired of the enemy talking to me. I'm going to start talking to him. I'm going to remind him when he reminds me of my past. I'm going to remind him of his future. When he starts telling me I can't, I'm going to start telling him I can. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Because when everything is said and done, Jesus will be the last man standing in my life. Woo, I feel like preaching tonight. There's more. Let me tell you, let me tell you why. First of all, Faith may not always change the outer circumstances of life, but it always changes the inner landscape of life. Say so it may not always change the outer circumstance, but it always changes the inner landscape. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. And frankly... That makes all the difference. It's not always what's on the outside that matters. But it's what's on the inside that really makes a difference. When I was younger, I remember reading a book about Hannibal, not Lecter. <laughs> but an African general. And the story about Hannibal crossing over the Alps, the great mountains within Italy. And in this little story that I read, I can remember the pictures of the elephants and the donkeys and the army of the African Hannibal crossing the Alps to Italy. And this was indeed a great feat of military courage because 
when he crossed them with those elephants, they could not believe on the other side that he got across, first of all, and how he got across, second of all. In fact, it was one of the greatest acts of military courage in human history. I don't know whether this story was true or false, but there is a story that went along with the various pictures in the book. And according to the story, Hannibal, when he got to the Alps with his army and was about to cross over, the army began to rebel and said, sir, we cannot do this. They saw these gigantic mountains before them. They saw the incredible barrier before them and the victory on the other side, and they were afraid to move. They were ready to turn around and go back home. But according to the story, Hannibal rallied his troops and his armies by standing before them, pointing toward the Alps and declaring, Forward march. We see no Alps. We see no mountains. Forward march. We see no Alps. And we see no mountains. And these words of encouragement, the army of Hannibal went forth over the mountains into Italy and conquered Now, it may not always be that easy when we're facing mountains in our life. But the truth of the matter is sometimes you've got to go through life and just declare, Mountain, I'm coming. Mountain, I'm coming. I don't see them. Forward march, I don't see that problem. Forward march, I don't see that obstacle. Forward march, I don't see that hardship. Forward march, I don't see that cancer. Forward march, I don't see that situation. Forward march, I don't see that trial. I'm coming. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. Faith can change the inner landscape. And if the inner landscape has been changed, it doesn't matter what's on the outer horizon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul was dealing, I think, with his own sense of death. And in this context, he says, and I quote, we walk by faith and not by sight. Say it with me. We walk by faith and not by sight. See, faith is our outward sense that makes our inward vision clear. I read a phrase one time, and I've used it before. Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered, and no one was there. I love it. Faith can move mountains because faith can transform the inner landscape of life. And it does not matter what's on the outer horizon. Clap your hands for that. That's the truth. The second point I want to preach is simply this. Secondly, faith can move mountains. Because faith enlarges the possibilities of life. Everybody say, my life's getting bigger right now, Pastor. Amen. You know, why eat an Oreo cookie this big when you eat one this big? Come on. Why eat a pint of Bluebell when you have a half gallon? You know, why just have a little victory when you have a big victory? Why can't you believe God for the big things? If you can believe Him for the little things, He can do the big things. Nothing, everybody say nothing, is impossible with God. It's sometimes helpful to compare how one verse is translated or spoken in one gospel and how it looks in another. Jesus sometimes says the same thing in a different place in a different way. Watch this. In Luke's version, we read Matthew, but in Luke's version of the same saying, Jesus said it this way. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, that same little mustard seed, you could say to that mulberry tree or that sycamore tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, And it will obey you. Now, I ask you at the first of this sermon tonight, what's worse, the mountain or the sycamore tree? I don't know which one I want to attack. 
But evidently, evidently a mountain is not anything compared to uprooting a sycamore tree and getting planted in the sea. That's a big deal because it's got to float all the way down to the bottom, find a way to get its roots in the, bo- roots in the bottom of the sea. We're not talking about a little spring, we're talking about the sea. And it says, okay, I'm here, now I hope you're happy. <laughs> what it's saying is, not only do you tell the mountain to get this way, you can still see it over here on the side, but when you say to that sycamore tree, get up, get over, and get out of my sight. Get up, get over, and get out of my sight. Some of oh, I feel like talking right. Some of us need to quit messing around with the same old problem. The Israelites walked around Kadesh Barnea for 38 years. They encompassed the mountain. But I'm here to declare, sometime in your life, you got to say, devil, get up, get over, bury yourself, and get out of my life forever. It's time to enlarge your faith. It's time to enlarge your faith. Get big. Get big. Get big. I want to declare to you. I'm just going to declare some things to you. I whipped some things in my 30s. I just beat them up. Things that wanted to tear me down. Things that were like inferiorities and things like that that wanted to beat me up. That said I would never be good enough to preach the way I wanted to preach in the kingdom of God. That's whipped. That's not a mountain in my world anymore. That's a sycamore tree. That I said get up. Just get up. Get up. Get up in the name of the Lord. Get over in that sea. Bury yourself. I don't ever want to see you no more. And honey I don't see it anymore. I don't preach good every time. But every day I leave this church I say thank God for the privilege of preaching the gospel one more time. There's some things you need to say goodbye to for the rest of your life. I'm not going there anymore. Am I preaching to you? I'm not going there. When God factored When God factored this thing called faith, he wants you to know it enlarges the possibilities of your life. You know, I remember my mathematics correctly. When you have an equation and you change one variable in the equation, you change the outcome of the whole equation. When God is factored into the equation of your life of faith, then the whole outcome of your life is going to change. I just think 2018 ought to be a year when you bury some things in the sea. <laughs> come on, can I preach? You just need to bury some stuff. Don't come around this house anymore with that little problem, devil. You, you get out of here. I'm going to kick you where the sun don't shine. I'm going to kick you because you're not going to mess with me with that any longer. I'm moving on. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We've got a God in our equation. Grace can move through and in anything. I've seen my dad, and I know this sounds funny to some of you new people, but please understand, I'm just an old West Texas plowboy, sharecropper. We didn't have a lot, but my daddy, my daddy wanted to take us kids to church. We were church-going kids. In fact, I had a drug problem my whole young life. I was drugged to church on Sunday and drugged to church on (laughs) Sunday night and drugged to church on Wednesday, and I still have that drug problem in my life right now. And not only do I have daughters that love the house of God and son-in-laws that love the house of God, I got grandkids that run the aisles of this church before you ever get here. Thanking God they get to go to church. They want to go to church. But my dad used to work on our car. 
And, he, and I'd, I'd go out to him because I, I, I loved church when I was a little boy because mom and dad taught me to love church. I said, Dad, you think we're going to get it running? Son, it's going to run. We're going to get this church. We're going to get this thing running. It's going to run. It's going to run, son. It's going to run. And my dad, my dad was so sweet. And this sounds so funky in 2018. But when he would shut the hood before he ever turned the switch, he'd lay hands on the hood. That's wanting to go to church. He'd lay hands on it. He'd say, okay, son, it's going to start now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're going to take this thing to church tonight. Go. Get in, kids. Let's go to the house of God. We'd come out sometime. We'd come out of church sometime. We had about ten in our church. Four of them was us, and we picked up a little old lady and made five. We was half the church. If our family would have left, the church would have been split right down the middle. We'd get back out to the car, and I was always a worrying kid. I was a worrier. I worried. Daddy, we're going to get home. It's dark. Son, the God that got us here is going to get us home. And that's the reason I celebrate you folks on Wednesday night, on this my anniversary week. I celebrate you folks that are in the house of God on Wednesday night. I celebrate you. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm just proud of you. Because some of you had probably just something as bad as having to lay hands on a car to get here tonight. I saw doctors come in their scrubs. I saw nurses come in their scrubs. I saw people come straight from work. And I understand that it's a sacrifice to be here. But I promise you, there are some things in your life that you've got to say, uproot, get in the sea, and be planted out of my sight. You're not going to hinder me any longer. Come on, faith can enlarge our possibilities. If God can heal a car and let it run to church, God can take you from one station to another and give you greater victory this year than you've ever known in your life. Clap your hands for that. That's good stuff. Amen. Faith is not about constricting possibilities. It's opening possibilities. In fact, there's an Old Testament prophet that said, when you run into a mountain, just cry grace to it. Grace, grace. Grace. (laughs) Grace. And said that mountain will become a plain. You'll, you'll fertilize it and plow it. It'll bring a crop. What I'm trying to say is that you've got the grace of God. You've got the power of God. You've got the anointing of God on your life. And there's no need for you to be beaten down and trodden underfoot. You need to stand to your feet every day of your life and say, I am a child of God. And I am going to do this thing for God. And mountain... Get over here and mulberry tree disappear out of my sight. You're not going to mess with me anymore. Clap your hands. That's, that's all right right there. The problem is only a problem as long as there's no solution. If there's even a hint of a possibility of a solution, you don't have the same problem. So I declare unto you that if you have a God in your life, you're still going to have problems. But with God in your life, there's always another possibility. Because God is the author of another possibility. Before creation, there was nothing. But God created another possibility and called creation into being. For Israel in Egypt, there was no hope. But God created another possibility and parted the Red Sea and set the children of Israel free. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a virgin, and having never known a man could not conceive, but God created another possibility, and Jesus was conceived and born. Jesus died on a cross, but God created another possibility and raised him to new life. The providences of God mean that there is a creative and saving possibility in every situation. Faith, you see, can move mountains because faith enlarges the possibilities of our life. And I've got to close. It's closing time because I don't hold people long on Wednesday and I don't hold you long on Sunday, but I'm going to close with this. I mean this. Randy, help me. I've already, I've already got the flaps down. I'm coming in. <laughs> Number three, faith can move mountains because by faith in God we're connected to the maker and the master and the mover of mountains. Faith is the mover. Everybody say, I'm going to get back on the wagon of faith, Pastor. Have you ever noticed that the God of the Bible is a mountain-moving God? God is frequently revealed on the mountaintops. Isaac was saved from sacrifice by an angel of God on Mount Moriah, where the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Moses met God in the mount called Sinai. The prophet Isaiah envisioned the rule of God with these words. They will not hurt nor destroy, Isaiah 11, in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. Jesus was transfigured on a mountain. Calvary is a mountain. The God of the Bible is a mountain God. So isn't it amazing that when you look at a mountain <laughs> that might be in your path, that if you just look a little higher, <laughs> there's a God that you serve on top of that mountain, ready to do some kicking and some moving because he is the God of the mountain. Stay with me now. The Hebrews call God El Shaddai, which means the God of the mountain. God can make a mountain. God can move a mountain. My God is a mountain God. Faith will connect us to the God of the mountain. And when that happens, your life, mine become part of a greater whole and the mountains are moved. This is the last day of what we call Black History Month. And I honor, I honor the black people of all the world. I love everybody. You may remember Alex Haley's greatest work, Roots. You ever heard me make the statement, if you ever see a turtle on the fence post, he didn't get there by himself? I got that from Alex Haley. But Alex Haley's book, Roots, and then the book, and then the movie, Roots. In the movie version, there was a scene when the slave, Kunta Kente, Kunta Kente, after having come to this country against his will, eventually met a woman he married, and later they had a child born in slavery. And the old African Kunta Kente never submitted himself to slavery. He never accepted it. And when his little daughter Kissy was born, he swore that she would know her heritage and that she would know her history and that though a slave, she would never be a slave. And so soon after the little baby girl was born, he took her from her mother's arms. And in the midnight sky amidst the auction block in the slave pen, he took her out of that little cabin and walked outside and climbed a little hill. And there atop that mole hill, he lifted up that little baby girl to the sky. 
And with nothing but twinkling stars above her, he whispered in her ear these words, Behold, the only thing greater than yourself is God. There are some people that are enslaved with things in this building tonight. And I wish I could take you to a little hill and hold you up and say, Behold, the only thing greater than you in this life is God. There is nothing that's greater than the God that loves you in your life. And when it's all said and done, the last man standing will be our Savior, Jesus Christ. God is greater. God is greater than any mountain. He's greater than the mountains of doubt. He's greater than the mountains of misunderstanding. He's greater than the mountains of confusion. He's greater than the mountains of sickness. He's greater than the mountains of pain. He's greater than the mountains of poverty. He's greater than the mountains of loneliness and the mountains of shame. My friends, faith can still move mountains. Why don't you get back on the wagon of faith? Because you see, I think a lot of people come to church and they come and they feel filled and they feel bread in their life and they get this bread and they go and they eat it, but it it doesn't last in them. And they fall back into that same old shame, that same old pen, that same old situation. And it sounds like always they're coming back and just trying to just trying to get right, trying to get right, trying to get back to level, trying to get back on, on par. Why don't you just lift yourself to the Lord and say, I worship you because the only thing greater than everything in this world is you. And you're greater than any problem that I have. And you're greater than any crisis that I'll face. And you're greater than any problem that I'll see in life. And there's not a mountain out there that you can't help me conquer because you are the God of the mountains. And I trust you and you will enlarge my faith. And I will see things even greater than moving mountains. I will move sycamore trees. I'll move things in my path out of sight because you are the only thing greater in my life than what's in my life. You're the only thing greater. When I came to that conclusion, was a young preacher I'd been in a revival in Louisiana and there was a man there that was a faith healer I've told this story before but I must close with this tonight I remember when I got back on the wagon of faith because my faith was not good I was 25 years old when I pastored my first church and there was a young lady that came with her baby that had a hydrocephalic condition of the brain baby was a waterhead and and she came to church one Sunday and, and I was in my office and somebody came back and said pastor there's a woman out here named Linda that's brought her baby to be healed today and I said what's the situation I thought maybe it might just be a little sickness like a cold or something I said pastor it's, it's bad and I, I'll, I'll never forget standing up in my office and and there was a mountain, a mountain of fear in my life, a mountain of dread, because I didn't know how to walk out there and take care of that situation. I was, I couldn't spell pastor, much less be one. 
but I had seen this man operate in Louisiana. His name was Chester Hensley, and he was a faith man. And people just, I mean, he'd pray for him, and people would just be healed and healed and healed and healed. And even though my ministry is not necessarily in that vein, I believe that my words are healing words to people. I believe my words are encouraging words to people. I believe when we prophesy the word of God, it brings healing to the house. But I walked out that morning, Dr. Taylor, I walked out that morning. And I said, oh God, I need a little help. And I looked up and God reminded me, there's nothing on earth bigger than me. And I said, I want you to bring that baby down at the end of service. I'd preach that morning some kind of faith. I don't know. They brought the baby down and we prayed for it and nothing happened. I'd like to tell you that there was a miracle, instant miracle, nothing happened. But but when we got through praying, I, I looked at the mother and I said, Will you do me a favor? I said, When's this baby's next appointment? She said, It's not for another couple of weeks. I said, Would you go to the doctor tomorrow? just kind of break in on him just tell this nurse you'd like to see him tomorrow she said well pastor he's he's pretty busy I said but just just do it because I just think if we wait we're not believing but I think if we go in tomorrow and say would you just check my baby and she went in and they liked her she had good favor with that good physician and they liked her and when they saw her come in they thought something had happened more to the baby so they thought oh we got emergency and she walked in and she said would you check my baby real quickly and they said why she said well I I went and saw another doctor and said he told me come here and let you check this baby over. She is talking about him, not me. But she said, would you check this baby? And they checked the baby and all of a sudden he called in two of his assistants, two other doctors and they had a, they had a, a, big, a big group there and he said, I want y'all to lick this baby. And they checked that baby for two hours and couldn't find one thing wrong with that child. Now you got to get this. You got to get this. I'm not trying to evoke emotion. I'm not. But when they got through checking, she said, what's the, what's the prognosis? She said, well, he said, well, he said, where, where did you take this baby? What doctor did you go to? She said, sir, I went to church and they told me that there was a great physician named Jesus. time to get back on the wagon time to get back on the wagon of faith and she said would you do me a favor and and, and the man said yes the doctor said he's so kind to her he said would you write on this piece of paper that this child is a miracle he said yes ma'am I will this baby doesn't have the problem that it had a week ago so he wrote there's been a supernatural happening she brought that back to the church and showed us and of course we rejoiced but let me tell you what she did she said sir after he wrote it said would you do me a favor now he said what else do you want she said would you hold my baby a minute he said why she said because I want to praise the Lord right here in your office (laughs) folks listen 
That's not moving a mountain. That's a sycamore tree getting into the sea and being buried and say, get out of my sight and stay out of my sight. There's some things that God wants to do for you this year that absolutely will defy description. Why don't you get on the wagon of faith and let's have revival in our own soul and believe that God is greater than any problem that I have in my life. He's the God of the mountain. He's the God of Mount Zion. That's not all the story. I wish I, that's not all the story. Give me two minutes. It's just 8.35. I got three more minutes. We do 70 minutes. Now listen. This is so good. I'm trying to think how many years ago, uh, later it was, but I was preaching a camp meeting in the state of Oklahoma. And I saw this baby, this girl, come running to me. And she wrapped her arms around me, and I said, Who are you? And she didn't know who she was even hugging because they'd been out of my life. She said, My mama told me you prayed for me when I was a baby. I looked up and saw the mama. And I said, Oh, God, that baby is going on, living for God. Everything's all right. God has a way to increase our faith. Would you stand? You're awesome people. And I love you. Amen. I hope you don't get tired of my stories. I love to tell stories. I love to tell stories. They're not lies. They're just stories. But I love to tell stories of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lift your hands. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Some of you want your faith blessed. Why don't you just walk down here right now and close it. We're going to dismiss in just two minutes. Come on. If you just want a blessing tonight, come on down. Whatever you need, come on down. Pastor's going to pray with you before we go home tonight. Come on down to the front. Come on down. Break away from the crowd and come on down. Just come on down here. Amen. We're going to believe God for greatness in your life, great things in your future. Come on, you're going to speak to a mountain and say, get out of my life. You're going to speak to a sycamore tree and say, be buried in the sea. Come on, we're going to do that. God can expand your faith. He can expand your faith. He can make your faith great. I believe this is going to be the greatest year we've ever had in the history of this church because God is with us and God's in our midst. Amen. Lift your hands up. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I bless these precious people right now. I bless these hands that are lifted. May the favor of God, may their faith God, 
be lifted like never before. Thank you for faith. Thank you for hope. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for contentment in our life. God, I love these people. They're awesome people. They're wonderful people, God. They're hungry for you. This is a hungry church. And God, you said you would feed us if we were hungry. You would take care of our needs. Now, God, let it happen. Let it happen. If there's mountains in their life, let them speak to them and say, get out of my path. Oh, God, and if you can expand that faith even more, let that sycamore tree be uprooted and planted in the sea out of sight. God, let some things that have hold held us back be out of our sight, be gone forever. In Jesus' name, God, give us victory. Give us victory in this house. Come on, clap your hands real big all over the house. Clap your hands real big all over the house. Come on, clap your hands. You're awesome people. And I love you. Come on, clap your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say it with me now. I confess you are greater than my problems, than my pain, than my past. You are greater than anything that will ever come against me. I stand and declare you are my God, and in you I will put my trust. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look up here. Now look up here, guys. I love y'all. I love y'all. It's Wednesday night. Y'all came to church. Thank you. This blew my mind, blesses my mind. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for letting me come to Austin, Texas many years ago. I never I never dreamed that it would be so wonderful pastoring you people. Thank you. You're awesome, and I love you now. Go home slow and, I mean, fast. And, no, go home slow and come back fast, all right? See you Sunday morning. You're awesome people. Be blessed tonight. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love you.